Pray with me, would you? Oh, God, thank you that when everything else uh, is unclear, when everything else is destabilized, when, when we're losing focus on who we are, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You never change the God we encounter in Genesis, the God we encounter in the Psalms, the God we encounter in Jesus, the God we encounter in Revelation is the same. So, uh, God, thank you. Thank you that despite who you are, you still love us as we are and invite us into this incredible experience of transformation. God, uh, as we gather today, we do lift up those uh, who, who have been destabilized, who, who have lost something or someone very precious to them. And we lift up the whole Schaffner clan, extended clan. We lift up the Miller clan. God, we lift up the, the Crow family as, as they heard this news and made these courageous choices to enter into this season of life. Thank you that your grace is sufficient for us. Thank you that it's not about how shiny we are or successful we are or powerful we are. Thank you that it's about how much we trust you. And in our vulnerability, turn to you. So, uh, God, we lift up those in need today and pray that you would provide everything they need. Pressed down, shaken together, flowing over. Oh, it's hard to even visualize at this point, God. We long for that day when, when joy is in the house again, when, when uh, the, the painful experiences have produced their perfect result. And as James said, we are perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. We long for that day. We wait for that day. We put our hope in that day and choose to declare your glory in between. Thank you that you give us everything we need. God, thank you that you even invite us in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the pain, to cry out to you. And so with the saints who have gone before, we lift up our voices and offer to you the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Would you open up the Word of God, however you access that, um, on your phones and in, in your Bibles? Um, uh, turn with me to our scripture for uh, today, Matthew 16. Matthew 16, beginning at verse 13. While you're turning there, I just remind you last week as we began our new series on 
identity, we, we focused on uh, Jesus' identity. On, on that moment a, when he was 30 years old, when he submitted himself to the baptism of, of John the Baptist and, and identified with us in our brokenness. And do you remember what God said to him? I know you do. Do you remember what God said to him in that moment, right? You are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased, right? And then I, then I just invited you. I think it was more of a challenge than an invitation to believe that because you have put your trust in Jesus, that, that he is in you as he prayed in John 17 and, and you are in him and that you also then are a, a, a child of God, a, a precious, beloved child of God, and that God finds pleasure in you. And some of us, that just rocked our world because we know us, right? We know us. And, and so today we're kind of continuing that. We're saying if, if what is true for Jesus is true for us, then it's critically important that we know Jesus. It's critically important that we look to Jesus. And in fact, Jesus invites us to think deeply about that. And one of the places he did that was toward the end of his ministry in, in um, Matthew 16. Follow along with me, would you, as I read? Uh, beginning in verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do the people say that the Son of Man is? We'll recall, won't we, that um, the Son of Man was Jesus' uh, enigmatic uh, title for himself. It comes right from Daniel, uh, the the, the, a title for the mess, a messianic figure that was to come, that Daniel prophesied. Uh, so, so Jesus is basically saying, who do the people say that I am, right? And they said, they being the disciples, uh, said, well, some say John the Baptist, which would be tricky because John the Baptist and Jesus had been present together at the same time. Others Say Elijah. Remember that Elijah was taken up by the chariot, right? Chariots of fire, and and that your Elijah returned, um, which would be tricky also because Jesus had identified John the Baptist as the Elijah figure. Others said Jeremiah. Remember Jeremiah was the weeping prophet, and 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 Jesus had brought uh, good news, but he also brought bad news, and. And, and many uh, identified Jesus with Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. But Jesus said to them, who do you say that I am? So interesting, isn't it, that Jesus' identity is not, is not discovered by popular vote, right? Um, it's not discovered by by uh, taking a poll, which we're so prone to do in our culture right now, and, and then the, the rest of the masses go with whatever the poll of five people tells you was true, right? It comes down to what you think, who you say. And Jesus challenged them, and I believe he challenges us. Who do you say that I am? And I, I don't know why, but I've always imagined that there was crickets right here. There was dead silence. 
for a moment. And it's, it's not biblical. It doesn't say that in the, in the Bible. I have just been in this room and, and declared those kinds of questions and heard the crickets chirping in the distant background, right? So, so there probably was this silence. And then Simon, uh, already we're using his new name. They, uh, Matthew's calling him Simon Peter, but at that point his name was Simon. Uh, Simon replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Johnson, or Simon, son of John, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, Simon, one who hears, is what Simon meant, that you are Peter. Most people believe that Petros, the word that's used there, uh, usually meant little stone. You are, you are little stone. And then he says, and on this Petra, on this rock, big stone, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Oh my goodness. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And then he strictly charged his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Other places, it says, until he had risen from the grave. Wow, the very word of God. God, thank you for your word, that it is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to discern between bone and marrow, but also between soul and spirit. And, and so we invite you to use your word right now to uh, move among us, to call forth faith, to cut away that which is uh, hindering us to surgically heal that which is, which is good in us and to call us to yourself. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable, God, in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, darn it, in the um, men's restroom uh, of Olivet Gym down there, uh, there is a full-length mirror right by the door. Now, it's bad enough that there's a full-wall mirror over uh, behind the, where you wash your hands. So when you're washing your hands, if you want to wash your hands, then you've got to look at yourself. But I'm almost blind, and so I can do that because I can't really see that man in the mirror very well, right, when I'm washing my hands. And then I come to the door of the men's restroom. I open that door, and bam... There it is. Now, I've noticed a lot of things. First of all, that I'm getting old, right? And, and because maybe my eyesight is getting bad, that God is allowing hairs to grow in places where it never grew before. I was looking at my cat last night, and she had these two big hairs growing out in front. It was like, it was like uh, just an early warning system. And I've got them. I've got them. I try to shave them up, but they grow back. But really, um, 
I look in that, in that mirror, that close, I mean, I mean with that close, right? I say, who is that guy? Who is he? Right? Once a month I get together with my college roommates online. We get together every morning to text back and forth. And, and, and I look at them and I go, who are you guys? And what did you do with my friends? Right? You're old. And they're looking at me and they're going, right back at you. Right back at you, big guy, right? But maybe, maybe this transition is just a, a reminder that I don't really know who I am, right? Period. I have lots of, of identities, right? I'm, I'm a husband, and I'm so grateful for that. Oh, my goodness. 30, 60 years, and she hasn't killed me yet, right? Yet, yet. <laughs> Yeah, if it happens, okay, Karen did it. I know, I know. I'm, I'm also a father. And it's so delightful to have a couple of my children in the room. I love that. I'm a grandfather, right? I'm a pastor. For 30 years, I have absolutely loved that. But that's not who I am, right? I, I can live into those identities I can become the best darn father that, that the world... I'm competitive that way, right? I'm competitive. I want to be really good at all these things. But is that who I am? Have you ever had that experience? I'm wondering, um, some of us who are retired or are nearing retirement, we, we spend a lot of time climbing ladders and building kingdoms, and then we kind of get there and we go... Wow, is that all there was? Is that? Yeah, no. yeah. Yeah, wow. Now, the beautiful thing is it ain't over, right? See, I'm starting to learn the language. It's taken 30 years, but I'm starting to learn the language. It ain't over till it's over, right? There's still this incredible opportunity to, to um, deeply engage in who I really am and, and to engage in God's purpose for me. It's, it's, it's still there. But this lingering question remains, how do I discover who I really am? How do I identify, I hate to use that language because it's very common in our culture, how do I identify myself right now? Who am I? Again, my challenge to you is that uh, you're only going to find who you are when you find who he is. You find who Jesus is. So it's so critical, isn't it, for us? to discover who he is. Now, I think, well, uh, it's not a great leap of logic that he realized they did not understand or at least would not own who he really was. And so he's making today um, a 25-mile journey. Again, nothing, right? I I do that almost every day. I make at least a 25-mile journey in my car, right? They walked. Um, he left Galilee and he walked 25 miles up to a place called Caesarea Philippi. And he brought them to a very particular place. About 20 people in the room maybe have been at that place. You have stood at that place. Do you remember? Let me try and explain it for the rest of you. Um, it, if I could use this uh, this wall as an example, um, it, there is uh, there is this maybe uh, 70 yard, maybe a little longer uh, 
escarpment, uh, at least at least three or four stories high, and 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 he brought them right to the foot of it, and and in this escarpment was all these niches carved out, and uh, in Jesus' day, uh, in those niches were idols, uh, uh, false gods, right. And, and uh, it was like a pantheon of false gods. Now, over here on, on the left and over here on the right were temples now uh, to, to Caesar and to Roman gods, right? And in those temples, disgusting things happen. We've lost that in our nice, neat little study of Scripture. He brought them to face to face with with the powers of hell and the brokenness of humanity and these people loved worshiping roman gods right because it fed all their own lusts and their own desires it it reeked uh, of of dead animals and and um, and the spiritual environment was even worse than that i i could just imagine i think that the chosen actually did a pretty good job of of when they when they was that in season three when they showed that no I think it was in season four and they um, showed them there and the the disciples were just disgusted why are you bringing us here Jesus why are you bringing us to this disgusting place by the way even now, now today the, the only the foundations of the Roman temples are there the niches are all empty but there's still a temple at the top of it the Druze temple do you remember that those of you who are, there's this little temple up there right that's still a place of false worship to this very moment. That's incredible. And, and in that place, um, Jesus asked his disciples this just incredible, incredible question. Well, um, it's easy uh, to look at them and say, that was then. I'm sure glad that we don't have that problem now, right? We don't, we don't worship false gods, not me. You know, we don't engage in disgusting things, right? Unholy things. Not me, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Kathy just gave me the stare. She looked over the top of her glasses at, like that at me. And, and um, yeah. What is he doing? Like I had this morning to come face to face with who I am there. He's inviting us to come face to face with a couple of different things. He's inviting us to come face to face with our culture's false worship, right? He intentionally took them to this place. Well, it began, I didn't finish the description. Over here in the bottom left, there is a cave. And at Jesus' time, it's not true now, in Jesus' time, about one third of all the waters of the Jordan River came out of that place. It was it was a, an incredibly high volume spring. Now think way back, right? And uh, when, when humanity first tried to identify uh, uh, gods and, and who God was and what gods are, and to, to have a source of water right there was a, then a place of worship, right? And 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 animistic ways they worship the god of fertility, right? They they created these gods to somehow to somehow um, uh, allow them to to fall down and worship before them. And 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 this was a center of the pagan worship of uh, probably Jordan, literally Baal, but we always say Baal, right? This god of fertility. 
And the, and the idea is that somehow as we participate in these fertility rituals, that maybe our, our wheat fields will, will become fertile as well. There was this, this worship of the pagan god Baal. The Greeks didn't give up on that. The Greek um, god Pan, that half man, half goat uh, figure, uh, also a fertility uh, god, was worshipped there at Caesarea Philippi. And then, as we mentioned, these two buildings on the sides, um, the Romans took over after that and now made a subtle change. Now it was the worship of a living person declaring a living person, Caesar, God. And, and the mantra for the worship of Caesar was Caesar is Lord. Caesar is Lord, right? Wow. Uh, and, and, and so Jesus brought him, brought them, and, and in our culture, um, we, can, we can false God them under the table, can't we? Um, and our culture, we're vulnerable to the same things, right? Uh, and, and Jesus wants us to recognize where our idols are, where, where we're falsely worshiping things instead of the creator, right? And so he brings us not only to face-to-face with our culture's false worship, but also our own false worship. Now, when I say our now, I'm thinking of the people of God, right? Um, Caesarea Philippi, do you remember those of you who were there? It's very close to um, uh, the city of Dan, uh, where there was a uh, a fortress, uh, a city wall, a city gate, and and where, when I'm sorry, I'm going to throw a lot of words at you. When um, the ten tribes abandoned the other tribes and followed after Jeroboam, they they set up the worship of a golden calf again. Again, you're saying, wait, I, that's also remember a golden calf, right? Yeah, that's what the people did while Moses was 40 days up on the mountain, right? Uh, they started worshiping idols, literally golden calves. And Aaron, I still cannot figure this out. Aaron, the brother of Moses, said to the people, this is your God. And, and Jeroboam did the same thing in both Bethel and in this exact place, Caesarea Philippi, the, the, the city of Dan, he said, this is your God. The, Jesus took them to the place of Israel's greatest sin, the place of Jeroboam's golden calves, and he declared, this is your God, right, who brought you up out of Egypt. Oh, my goodness. So Jesus took them to the place of Israel's greatest sin, but he also called out their False worship. Do you still have your phones or your Bibles open to Matthew 16? Please keep it open there. But if you look, if you look at the beginning of, of chapter 16, Jesus is having an encounter with the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they're, they're, they're demanding a sign from him. And, and they're evidencing the fact that they have no faith. This is the religious leaders of the day. They have no faith in Jesus so he called out their false confession, their lack of faith in the first four verses. Then the disciples aren't much better. Um, Jesus calls out their little faith. And he, by the way, that was actually a noun. Little faith, he would say. Little faith. Um, uh, they, they could not understand that he could speak in metaphors. They could not expand their mind beyond 
their, their needs of their stomach and, and thought he was talking about bread when he was talking about himself and, and he called them out and, and said, um, little face. I, I listed for you. It wasn't the first time he'd done that. He did that like four other times, three other times. Little face. But you think, well, thank you for all this cheerful um, news you're bringing us, Pastor Dave, today. But um, at that same place, at that same place, he called forth from them saving faith. Saving faith. Who do you say that I am? What, what is he doing? He's, he's trying to get them to articulate his true identity. And Simon does it. Simon does it. After, if indeed there was a pause, Simon is able to say, you are the Christ. You are the Son. Remember all these dead gods on this wall? For 70 yards of dead gods? You are the son of the living God, the living God. Simon was able to say it out loud in a way that they could hear. And remember, it wasn't the first time. Oh gosh, I've been doing this, doing this from memory. But remember oh, Nathaniel, right? When Nathaniel and Jesus said, I saw you under the tree. And Nathaniel said, you are the son of God. And Jesus goes, you believe that? Just because I said I saw you under a tree? You're going to see much greater things than this, right? Do you remember when they um, were on the water and Peter walked on the water, right? And, and that incredible statement and, and, and beautiful experience for Peter. They got back in the boat. Jesus declares, peace, be still. And the, the, the sea was still, right? And they said, who is this? That even the wind and the seas obey him, right? This is the Son of God. It wasn't the first time that that Jesus had been identified. I could probably think of three or four more times that 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 had happened. But but this was the first time that that when asked, one of them at least was able to say, "This is who you are." Why am I slowing down and pausing? Um, it's wonderful to understand context and to, and to um, hear the story and to, and to begin to, to know in our minds who they said Jesus is. But it's not important even who they said Jesus is as it is who you say that Jesus is, right? Not only did he call forth from them his true identity, right? But also, but also in that, he was calling forth from them our true identity. Jesus answered Simon. Simon just said, you are Lord. You are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. Um, and, and Jesus calls forth from Simon. Simon, do you realize this? Look at that man in the mirror, Simon. Right? You, you didn't just happen upon that. You didn't, you didn't come to that because you spent three years in seminary. Or you, my heavenly Father has revealed this to you. And you, Simon, are blessed because of it. You are blessed of our heavenly Father. I don't know why Tevye just flashed in my mind, right? Um, 
I know that we're your chosen people, Tevye says, and Fiddler on the Roof, but once in a while, can't you choose somebody else, right? If, if this is blessed, right? Oh, you have no idea. Some of you do. Some of you do. Oh, my goodness. Child of God, you are blessed of your heavenly Father. And he, and he continued, right? Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, Simon, you are Petros. You are little stone. And on Petra, on this rock, I will build my church in your Sunday school classes. You're going to explore that more. In your small groups this week, you're going to explore that more. Let me just say that there's been traditionally three understandings of that. One that was that Peter was the rock, right? And, and, and the only problem with that is Peter, Peter dropped that rock like a, like a hot rock immediately after this. We didn't go into the story today, but immediately after this, um, Peter, Peter said, I'm not rock-like, right? So many, many of us, most Protestants, then kind of say, well, it's not Peter, like maybe the Catholic, Roman Catholics would believe. It's not Peter who is the rock. It's his confession. It's, it's his faith that is the rock. And that is, that is, that is beautiful, right? And I will, I will push you till, till the kingdom comes, literally, um, to make that your confession. But... My confession wavers. You know, I might say something with my lips and my life might be, if my confession is, ooh, we're in trouble, right? But what if it's not about me? What if it's not about Peter? What if it's not about even whether he confessed Jesus in a way that other people could receive. They did that well. What if it's about who he confessed? What if it's about Jesus over and over again from, from the prophets to the, to the wisdom literature? God is declared our rock, our Masada, right? The foundation of everything. What if what Jesus is saying is that we, when we confess Jesus as Lord, we're like those little stones. Now I'm slipping into First and Second Peter, the books that Peter wrote, where he says we're like living stones being built together, right, into a holy temple, right? What if, what if uh, uh, it's about Jesus, and and when we're alive, we're we're expressions of that temple and and then as we as we like our brothers and we've lost this week as we enter into eternity we become a part of that foundation of this called out ones this this church what if it's about jesus right Peter was blessed of his heavenly father. He was, we are living stones being built into a, a spiritual temple with Jesus Christ as the cornerstone, the key part of the foundation, right? I, I always say right. I don't hear that word, by the way. So I slap you around and say right, right, right. I don't hear that word. Um, but what if, what if it's about Jesus and what Jesus is doing is now giving us authority and power to represent him in a world 
I know it's cliche, but let me say it one more time. To the point that when people see you, I was listening to you uh, last night or yesterday afternoon, Tracy. I was upstairs when she was leading her Kairos outside team. Now look at you. And, um, and it was so cool. It was so cool to see God using her, right? She was representing Jesus and she was inviting. I don't know how many people were there, maybe 25 or 30 women and men to live out the Christ life. Oh, my goodness. Jesus said to Peter, you are a little stone and, and I'm going to build you up into a spiritual temple and, and you're going to be a part of this thing that 2,000 years from now in a little town called Evansville, Indiana, there'll be 100 people gathered in a room and, and you'll be a part of that community of faith called my called out ones ecclesia the church and and you will be my representation in the world it will not be a wall of personal idols it will be it will be um, my living body represented to the world Uh, wow i am giving you my authority and power to live out that life i give you he said, the keys, listen carefully, to the kingdom of God. Worship team, come on up if you would. The keys to the kingdom of God. I did not say, and Jesus did not say, I give you the keys to heaven. Right? He didn't say that. He said, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Um, one day, Lord willing, we will enter heaven. But right now, we can enter the kingdom of heaven. And, and you, sister, you, brother, you have that authority and power to open doors. Now, Peter himself would, would live this out right before us. He, he became, he opened the door to the Jews of his day to embrace the Messiah. He, and, um, and it just jumped out of my head, and, and Caesarea Maritima, or he, he um, opened the doors for Gentiles to come to faith in Jesus Christ, right? Beloved, you've been given the keys to open doors for people to come to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. But he didn't stop there. He said, whatever, well, I'm going to say it like he said at first, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Are you trembling yet? Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I, I think in that culture, I mean, that sounds like just absolutely devastating responsibility. In that culture, I think it was more like, I'm going to substitute forbid and, and forgive, right? And it's not that you do something and then God says, well, I guess I'm going to have to do that now because... Kathy did that, right? I'm guessing. No, we do that because heaven has already done it, right? We live out God's perfect will in what God has already said. You have been given that authority. You are a beloved child of God who has been given the ability to declare who Christ is, to open doors for people to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. 
There is no higher calling, beloved, than that which you have been given. The question is not the calling. The question is, will you live into it? Will you accept it? Will you receive it? Let me say it one more time. We will only truly know who we are when we discover who he is. So, who do you say that Jesus is? Pray with me. I do not understand it, God. I don't recognize myself, much less the the majesty and glory of who you are. But I'm going to risk it, God. To the extent that you have entrusted some insight, to the extent that you have entrusted some knowledge to me, I'm going to I'm going to risk it and believe that if I will represent you to a world, if I will not keep those keys to myself, if I won't hold those doors shut, if I will open the kingdom of God to the world around me, then God, somehow you will be glorified and many will come to know you because of who you are and because of my faithfulness. Wash over us right this moment, would you, God? All those roles, all those other identities, how can we, how can we transform them into currency, spiritual currency, whereby people might come to know you? You gave us those roles. They're not our identity. But, but how can we use them to live out our identity as your beloved children? Oh, help us with our mouths. Help us with our lives to declare You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen.